This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. I believe that the power of God is so strong that if Jesus just said, come forth, the entire graveyard would have woken up. I honestly believe that, that the power of God is so great that it can cause the deadest of individuals to come alive. Some of you here this morning, you can even testify to that. You know how dead you were in your spirit until Jesus spoke life into that spirit and you came alive in him. When viewing the universe with the understanding that God made all things, it's easy to believe he's capable of anything. From creating something from nothing to restoring the sight of the blind, these are truly nothing short of miraculous. But for some people, the one miracle that's hardest to believe is the resurrection. In today's message, Pastor David reflects on the power of God and how it affects us individually. We learn that it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that breathes new life into each and every one of us. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17, verse 22, with his continuing study entitled, Silence of the Tomb. A relatively unknown American songwriter by the name of Paul Simon wrote these words. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more, people talking without speaking, people hearing without listening, people writing songs that voices never shared. No one dared disturb the sound of silence. He was writing about the emptiness that the people were feeling at the loss of this great earth, worldly, national leader. A loss of someone who so many had placed their hopes in. A hope that perhaps through him things might change. That perhaps through him there might be a better tomorrow for our nation and perhaps the whole world. And in the midst of the deepness of their sorrow, no one dared disturb the sound of silence. I believe that that was kind of the similar feeling all around Jerusalem in those days. There was an emptiness that would not be filled. A silence could not be quieted. But all of that was before the dawning of the sunrise on that Sunday morning. With the rising of the solar sun and the recognition that the Son of God had risen from the dead, things began to change. You see, people had had risen from the dead before. It wasn't completely unknown. In the Old Testament, we have three different instances where people actually rose from the dead. People who were clinically totally dead and yet rose back again from the dead. The first one we find as Elijah prays for the son of the widow of Zarephath. And God raises him from the dead. The next one comes in the one who followed Elijah, Elisha. And Elisha prays for the dead son of the Shumanite woman. God restores his life, raises him from the dead. 
The third one is pretty peculiar. It's actually a very, very strange story, as a matter of fact. Sometime after the prophet Elisha had died, had been placed in the tomb, it had been so long that literally his, his flesh had begun to deteriorate, and it was just his bones that were there. And through a couple of uh, an incident where the enemy were coming, they were carrying another man to be buried. And as they saw the enemy, they took this man. They actually threw him into the tomb where Elisha was. He landed on Elisha's bones. And God brought this man back to life. Now, that's a bizarre story, on it, no matter what way you shake it. But this guy who is dead was brought back to life. Was it Elisha's bones? Well, something had to do with it. But you know, it was God that did it. It was God that brings life into death. Amen? You're my amen crowd, remember? Over here. So when I ask you that, amen. Okay. Can you imagine the shock of these situations, really and truly? For the most part, they were totally unexpected by family and friends. These were events that were totally unexplainable, other than the rare supernatural work and miracle of God. And even as we move into the New Testament, Jesus Christ himself was directly involved in the raising of three others during the days of his ministry. The first we find is Jesus and the disciples went into the city of Nain. And as they came there, they came upon a funeral procession. Uh, the, The adult son of a widow of Nain had passed away and they were in the funeral procession to bring this one and to bury him. And Luke tells us here in chapter 7, he says, that when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And then he came and he touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And Jesus said, young man, I say to you, arise. Now, let's face it, if you and I were among the crowd, perhaps the crowd of mourners or perhaps the pallbearers as we were carrying this young man and this rabbi and his followers come and he touches the coffin, he says, young man, arise. I think there might be one of two kind of feelings that we would have at that point in time. Number one, that might be anger. Might be anger. Why are you tormenting this mother? Just let us bury his son. Another one might be um, almost comical. (laughs) What do you think you're doing? This guy's dead. We know he's dead. But another feeling might be kind of anticipation and amazement. Well, what's going on here? Because you see, when Jesus said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The word says that he who was dead sat up and he began to speak. And Jesus presented him to his mother. And as you might understand, it says that fear came upon all and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen up among us. God has visited his people. The second incidence where we see Jesus raising someone from the dead, he was in the city of Capernaum, where again was kind of his home base during his ministry there in Galilee. A ruler of the synagogue by the name of Jairus, came to him. And Jairus says, Master, I I need your help. My daughter is sick unto death. She was very close to death. And as a matter of fact, as he was sharing this with Jesus, people from his household came up and said, It's too late. Don't bother the Master. Your daughter is already dead. 
Well, Jesus went with Jairus to his house and he found already the, the mourners were, were at it. They were already wailing and lamenting and all of these things. And Jesus told him, no, no, don't do that. She's not dead. She only sleeps. And again, the feeling of those people were uh, outrage. What do you mean she's only asleep? We've seen her dead. She's dead. Why torment the mother? Others, <laughs> yeah, right. You don't know. You don't know the situation at all. She is dead. And others, I believe, were waiting in anticipation. Jesus drove everyone out and he brought in with him Peter, James, and John, the mother and the father of this young girl, and went into the room. And it says that he put them all outside and then took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. And then her spirit returned and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. Now the third one. The third time that Jesus raises somebody from the dead is undoubtedly the most memorable of all of these incidences. As Jesus raises back to life his good friend, Lazarus. Now one of the things you need to understand about Lazarus, and we read about this in the Gospel of John in chapter 11, Lazarus had been dead now for many days. So, well, yeah, he'd been dead for four days. They said he's in. No, you need to realize he had probably sat at the home for just a time of mourning for a few days, even before they put him into the tomb. So there's a number of days, actually, that Lazarus had been dead. And as Jesus comes there, and he's going to deal with them, and they ask them to roll away the stone. Remember what they say? No, don't do that, Lord. By now he, and I love the King James on this, he, he stinketh. Okay, he stinketh. That's just the real deal. But Jesus arrives at the tomb. They take the stone away from the opening and Jesus prays to the father. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come forth. I don't know if you've caught this on, on each one of these things. When Jesus came to the, the, the funeral procession and he touched the coffin and he said, young man, rise up. He went into the room of, of the, of Jairus' daughter there and he says, uh, little girl, rise up. And here at the gravesite, he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. I believe that the power of God is so strong that if Jesus just said, come forth, the entire graveyard would have woken up. I honestly believe that, that the power of God is so great that it can cause the deadest of individuals to come alive. And some of you here this morning, you can even testify to that. You know how dead you were in your spirit until Jesus spoke life into that spirit and you came alive in him. These ones that we looked at, God restored life and the body of these individuals. These were the ones who had died. They had entered into that silence of the tomb. Whether or not they had already been placed in the grave or not, they had still entered into that great silence. Oh, but then God, but then God. What a great phrase that is. But then God. Because when that phrase comes into play, nothing else really matters. 
I don't care how bad things are in your life. I don't care what situations are in your life. When the phrase is placed before you and in relationship to your life, but God or but then God, beloved, everything can change. Everything can change. Because God has that power. He has the power to raise the dead. He has the power to change your life and bring life back into what you might feel as a dead relationship, what you might feel as an emptiness of a future, what you might feel as a hopelessness of a situation. If God can raise the dead and restore the dead, and I believe with all of my heart that He can, then I know that He can restore and bring life back to the situation that you might find yourself in, even this morning. God raised them from the dead. He breathed life back into them. He breathed the breath of life. He gave them back their voice. He gave them back their voice in order that they who had been dead might arise and praise His glorious name. In order that they might declare His loving kindness. In order that they might continue to praise the Lord. In order that they would no longer be in silence. And that's why God changes lives even today. He brings us out of the death of our sin and separation from Almighty God. He breathes life into us in order that we might be the people who praise Him, in order that we might be the people who proclaim His greatness, in order that we might be the people who live our lives glorifying Him in every aspect of our lives, in order that we would not be people who live our lives in silence, but that we declare the truth of what God has done within our lives. But there's only one problem with these that he raised up from the dead. They're all going to die again. You see, that physical life that he gave them, the fact is, is they're going to have to face the tomb again. They're going to have to face that silence again. But I believe in a totally different way than what they were facing it then. The difference between being raised from the dead versus being resurrected as Jesus was, is once you are resurrected... There will never be another death. That's resurrection for eternity. Those who are simply raised from the dead will once again enter into that sound of silence. But on that Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, something else took place. A sound. I think a sound began rumbling very deep in the very heart of all of creation. Long before the daylight split the skies on those Judean hills, there was a noise coming from one tomb that was anything but silent. It was the sound of a heavenly victory cry. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And I believe that that stone as it was rolled away and the power the majesty of the resurrected Christ stepped out of that tomb silence was split for the final and for the last time that the grave would never ever be able to silence him again that the tomb would never ever again muffle the declaration of his praise. The Gospels give us the message of hope, the message of restoration. They tell us of new life, of a resurrected life that has the power to change the 
eternal direction of each one of our lives. Because right now, if you are outside of Christ, the direction that you're heading according to God's Word is that eternal separation from Almighty God. Jesus Himself declared that hell is a place of suffering, that it's a real place, a place of eternal punishment. Because of the bad things you've done? No. Because I've done a lot of bad things too. It's because you've yet to receive His Son. And in not receiving His Son, you've rejected His Son. And you see, God never intended for hell to be the place of His human creation. That's why He sent Christ in order to die for each one of us. In order that as we put our faith, our trust, in that completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, that we then by faith receive the forgiveness of God because of the blood of Christ. And until we come to that point where we humble our lives with that reality, we'll never know that fullness of forgiveness. And we stand the high, high risk with every heartbeat that beats, every breath that we take, that that might be the last, and that we would pass into an eternity without the promise and the hope of God in our lives. Luke tells us very quickly and to the point. It was the first day of the week. Very early in the morning, they, these women that had been following Christ, they and certain other women with them, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and they bowed their faces to the earth, these men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. In other words, why are you still listening to the sound of silence when the victory cry has already been declared? There may be some of you here this morning You've come perhaps out of an invitation of a friend or a neighbor or a family member. Or perhaps you're, you, you, you attend this church on a regular basis. But the reality is, the life of Christ is not really in you. And you're busily active about things in this world. Maybe you're even busily active about going to church and doing good things. But it's not until your heart is bowed to the reality that you cannot change yourself. You cannot do enough good in your life. That only Christ is able to pay the price for your sin. And you come to that place and point in your life where you are willing to humble yourself and say, I am a sinner and I am in great need of a great Savior. And you willingly cry out to Christ to save you, to forgive your sin. And you receive that completed work that He did on the cross on your behalf. You invite Him into your life. You ask Him to be Lord of your life, to be Savior of your life. You give your life to Him. It's only then that you'll know, man, you're not seeking life among the dead. No, you're seeking life among the one who is living and living forevermore. 
These angels spoke to these women. He says, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Well, beloved, you need to know that our Lord Jesus conquered sin. He conquered death through the resurrection. He conquered the hold of the enemy on the hearts and on the eternities of mankind. He broke the bondage that held us captive and away from the presence of Almighty God. He made provision for the forgiveness of our sin. He made a way of righteousness for all that would call upon His name. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, knowing this, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, He dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives for God. The Word of God is so clear. It lays out the message of hope literally for everyone. Again, in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are in Christ, and that's the big question this morning. Are you in Christ? Or are you simply trying to be a good person? Are you trying to be a righteous person? Are you trying to be a religious person? Are you trying to be the person that does good as often as you can? Well, as commendable as that might be to you on your life, none of that counts outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Word says that if you are in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he goes on to say, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses. In other words, not charging their sin to their account. For he made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us in order that we might become the very righteousness of God in him. Do you know the resurrected Christ? Amen. Do you know the resurrected Christ? Or are you still walking in the sound of silence as far as the voice of God in your life? God the Father cries out to you even now, even this morning here in this place. He said through Isaiah the prophet, come now, let us reason together. Though your sin is like scarlet, it shall be white as snow. And though the red like crimson, They shall be as wool. That's nothing that you can do on your own. That's by the power of God in you through Christ. God the Father calls you to Himself. God the Son makes a very similar plea and cry to you. Jesus declares, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You might be here this morning and your soul is anything but at rest. And even being in a, in a place where there's 
there's a lot of Christians, and most of them are kind of strange people. I know I've hung around with a lot of them through my years. <laughs> Songs that they sing may not really connect with you. And even a message like today is foreign to your understanding. Your soul isn't at rest. You don't know really what tomorrow holds for you. You don't know what the future holds for you. God the Father, God the Son, through God the Holy Spirit speaking within your heart right now, He pleads with you. Why would you tarry? Why would you wait? Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. Sin's left a crimson stain on every one of us. There's no one in here that has not needed the Savior. Jesus washed us white as snow. On behalf of Pastor David Landry and the entire production team here at The Open Word, it's our prayer that you're focusing on the death and resurrection of Jesus during this time of year. This has been a special Easter edition of The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona.